Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com slash Sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In Aristotle's work, The Poetics, he tells us that character is among the most important parts or elements, there's six of them, of tragedy as a whole. And we can say that it's among the most because it is not the most important part. According to Aristotle, we actually have, do have tragedies, though not good ones, which are lacking character. It is the second most important behind plot or story, muthos, right? Character is ethos, and this is a term that Aristotle uses in many other places. It's an incredibly important in the Nicomachean Ethics, where, you know, it's all about how we develop our characters for better or for worse, but it also plays a role in the politics, important means of persuasion in the rhetoric. So this is something that is tied in with a lot of other discussions. Now, we're in interested primarily in what Aristotle is telling us here in the Poetics about character and tragedy in particular. So why is it this second most important part? So he's going to tell us three big things almost in succession. And the first thing is a definition, you might say, because he's actually going to say at the end of this section that he has defined the different parts of it. So he says character is that in virtue of which or by which, cut hole, right? In accordance with which you could actually say we ascribe agents certain qualities, right? We say that they are of this sort, poion. This is actually one of Aristotle's categories in that work, the categories and discussed in many other things. So, you know, what are examples of this? Well, when we ascribe goodness or badness in general to a person, we're saying that they have a certain quality, right? That substance, the the human being has this very important central quality, which they could lose. When we ascribe virtues or vices by saying that somebody is courageous or cowardly, we are likewise saying what kind of person they are. And this extends not just to the actions or the habits, but also to structures of motivation, which are revealed in what Aristotle calls thought, but also in action. So that's one really important point right off the bat. Character is about qualities that a person is said to have. It could be wrong, right? Oftentimes we find in plays that we think somebody's a villain and they turn out not to be so or vice versa. The second thing that he's going to tell us has to do with the connection between qualities and actions and happiness. So he's going to connect together the plot and the characters that are involved. And I should mention too, by the way, that Aristotle doesn't always talk about character in the singular. He very often is referencing it in the plural. Characters play a role, the different characters of the different people in the play. So here's what he says. The most important of these different elements is the structure of events, that is plot. Why? Because tragedy is mimesis, not of persons, but of action in life and happiness and unhappiness consists in action. The goal is a certain kind of action, not a qualitative state. And then he says, it is in virtue of character. It's because of their character that people have these 
particular qualities, but it is through their actions that they are happy or the reverse, otherwise, you know, the opposite of this. Now, happiness here is eudaimonia. So sometimes people don't want to call that happiness. They want to call it flourishing. It doesn't really matter, right? A good state is the product of the actions that you engage in and likewise a bad state. And the actions do flow from the character that you have. You not only display it in the actions, but it's also what is driving the actions. Now, coming back to this, tragedy is imitation or mimesis of action, of actions, praxis, the things that we do, and of life of our overall structure of our life. Is our life a successful one or a dismal one? Well, that can make us happy or unhappy. And he actually uses the word kakodaimonia, which is the opposite of eudaimonia, right? You is well, kakos is bad, right? So we can have bad life. And we're looking at some sort of goal or telos. The goal, he says, is a certain kind of action, an action that displays character, not just being of a certain quality, but something a bit deeper. So that's getting to, to some interesting things. And then finally, he tells us just a little bit later after this, character is what reveals deloy to unveil, to show us, right? Moral choice, proeresis. This is an incredibly important term for Aristotle. You can't quite translate it as will, but think of it as the enduring complex of your choices and commitments over time and your acts of choosing things or prioritizing things or making commitments. So your proeresis is really at the core of who you are. As a matter of fact, in the Nicomachean Ethics, Aristotle situates it as sort of the bridge between our intellectual parts and our affective or emotional or desirous parts. He calls it two different terms that are basically reversing it. Mind that has desire or desire that is intellectual. Those are kind of rough translations. But proiracis is incredibly important. That is at the core of a character. And so we have different kinds of priorities, good ones, bad ones, ones in the middle. And he tells us that it reveals what, when otherwise unclear, right? So when we're not quite sure about people, what kind of things an agent chooses or prioritizes, proirete, that's the same term, just turned into a verb, or rejects, or literally runs away from, fuge, flees, right? And this is part of what makes us who we are. Right? So this is quite important. Now, a bit later on in the text, he's going to tell us something a bit more normative about how characters ought to be constructed and portrayed within tragedy. Now, he doesn't mean every single person, obviously, because we do have bad people in tragedy. So the very first criterion that he gives us would be ruled out by that. But he is talking about at least some of the characters need to have this. And he says, first and foremost, that they're actually good. So this is a term 
term that can mean good or beneficial or useful. Here, I think Aristotle is actually using it in this, this wider sense, not to mean, you know, the paragon of goodness, but, you know, decent is a, a way we could translate it. And he goes on and he says that characterization appears when, as we said earlier in these other things, speech or action reveals the nature of a moral choice and it's good character that's being displayed when the choice is good. Now, how do we know what choices people are making? Partly by what they do and partly by what they say about it. The characters in the play will say, I am doing this because of this. That's what Aristotle calls thought, right? But it also displays moral choice. The second thing that he says is that characters need to be appropriate, right? They need to quite literally harmonize. To harmochonta, right? Things need to stick together. And here he says some things that not only are in general misogynistic, but weird for his own time, right? When he has access to plays that have incredible female characters like Sophocles' Antigone, or he talks later about Euripides' Medea, and we can think of many others as well. And he tells us that there's courage of character, but it's inappropriate. It doesn't harmonize well for a woman to be courageous or clever, Dene, in this way. And, you know, you ask yourself when you see that, how do you actually look at some of these plays and come up with something like that? But that's a, that's a side note. It has more to do with Aristotle's quirkiness about this. The third thing is what he calls tohomoion, likeness is how we translate, or similarity, right? And he tells us here just that, uh, you know, this is distinct from goodness and being appropriate. And then he doesn't actually tell us anything more at that point. And interestingly, there's a gloss in this translation by the translator that says, well, that means being like us. But I'm not sure that that's actually the case because of what he's going to say a little bit later on about likenesses, which we'll get to in a moment. Then the fourth thing is consistency. So home alone. And the opposite of this, anomalon, is the word that we get anomalous from, right? Or anomaly. And this is quite interesting what he has to say here. So he tells us, even if the subject represented as someone inconsistent and such character is presupposed, he should still be consistently inconsistent, right? So the character needs to, whatever it is, whatever qualities they have, right? The topoion, they need to be displaying these consistently through the play or, or you don't have character. You get inconsistency. That doesn't make sense. He gives a few examples here saying Menelaus in the Orestes is, is showing kind of bad Bad character, Ponarias, Odysseus's dirge and Scylla, the speech of Menelope of inconsistency, right? So these are characters where things don't really match. And so it, it's a less successful portrayal. So these are the things that he thinks need to be in there for tragedy. And then finally, the last thing that he says that's really quite interesting, and this harmonizes with some other things that he says about, you know, are you trying to do a realistic portrayal of people? No, this isn't history. This is poetry. So he says the poets should imitate good portrait painters. Interestingly enough, what we have here is mimesis at a higher level. Poets 
tragedians are mimetic artists, as are portrait painters, and the very word for imitate there, or emulate in some of the translations, guess what it is? Mimesthai, right? So they are supposed to engage not only in their own mimesis, but also imitate good portrait painters. How so? Well, what do good portrait painters do? He says, they render personal appearance, right? The, literally the idion morphine. Morphe is like the shape, the outline, the form, we say, of an object, in this case, a person. Show the actual person in their particularity to attain idion. And then he goes on and says, homoius poiuntes kalius graphusin. So this is producing likenesses and enhancing people's beauty. So the likenesses that they're engaging in are a little bit nicer than what the actual person looks like. So maybe they don't put the big you know, wart that is on somebody's forehead, or they make their nose a little bit smaller, a little bit bigger. They, instead of painting them with dull, dead eyes, they put a little sparkle in their eyes, right? So we should do this, if we're writing tragedy, similarly in how we portray the characters. Now, interestingly enough, he doesn't use an example from actual tragedy. He uses the example from Homer, which is epic poetry, of Achilles. And what is Achilles like? I mean, he talks about when we're representing people who are irascible, right? And also prone to fighting. Urgilus kai rathumos, right? People who get riled up and worked up right away. He says that we should show them with other character traits. Make them nonetheless decent people. Epiakes, right? And what is the prime example here? Hoyonton Achillea Agathon. We make Achilles a good guy, even though he is a paradigm or an example, paradigma of, we could actually translate this as wickedness if you wanted to, skelerotetos, right? But here it's being translated as harshness. Achilles is a tough guy and he gets angry and he kills people, right? At the very beginning of the Iliad, he's debating about whether he's going to draw his sword and kill Agamemnon, the leader of all of the host at Troy. And he chooses not to and Athena helps confirm him in this. And there's, you know, a portrayal of him as a good guy, a decent guy, just having to put up with these jerk colleagues, we could say, and rulers. So how would we do this in tragedy? We have a character, perhaps somebody that we know something about, perhaps one that we've made stuff up about. You know, we try to portray them as generally being good. They may have some character traits, some habits, some motivations that aren't completely good or could even be bad, depending on how we look at them. But we try to emphasize the good parts. Now, this doesn't hold for all the characters, obviously. This holds for the characters that we are particularly interested in as the protagonists. For antagonists or just run-of-the-mill people, this doesn't actually hold, but they have characters that are displayed as well. So character, absolutely central to Aristotle's understanding of what Greek tragedy is and how it is supposed to work. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, Keep studying these great philosophical works.